So think about, let's think about the beginning of time. Uh, something I hadn't really ever thought about this morning, how long did Adam and Eve live in a state of obedience and perfect fellowship with God? We don't know the answer to that. But probably some time. Now think about that. Living in a perfect relationship, Adam and Eve as husband and wife with God. I, I don't know how long it lasted, but for some time. Now listen to this last paragraph. We may perfectly look back to the holy and happy state in which our first parents stood when they came from the hand of their Creator, and we may with good effect remember from whence we have fallen. Perfect relationship, perfect fellowship with God until we are now. Huh? We've fallen a spell, right? Now listen to this. A due contemplation, we ought to think about this, of this subject will recommend to our acceptance the gracious plan of restoration which the gospel unfolds in the person and work of the second Adam, Christ. What a Sabbath was that when God, resting from the six days' work of creation, held communion with man, the last work of his hands, and when man, unstained by sin, poured forth the first offering of praise from the newly created earth, free and acceptable to the Creator." Now, here we go. Such a Sabbath on earth does not now know, but such a Sabbath remains to the people of God, and the blessed are those who shall enter into that rest and into His presence in a new heaven and new earth in which we will be in a right relationship with Him, worship Him perfectly forever. He is going to restore that. That day is coming. Amen? Well, we have been in Matthew uh, for some time, and you know we have, and we're still in Matthew. But we have looked at so many weddings lately that I thought that it was uh, important to look at the, the greatest uh, wedding banquet that, that's ever going to take place, uh, the marriage uh, supper of the Lamb. And we're going to look at that this morning. So I've read the, the scripture in Psalm, uh, Revelation 19, verses 1 uh, through 10. And I want to pick up in verse 6 this morning, and then we'll get started. Revelation chapter 19, you'll need to be there because the scripture pertaining to that, it's not in your, in your notes. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of the mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Uh, in other words, our worship ought to be like the sound of rushing waters. It should be magnificent. It should be strong. It should be forceful. That's what it was when those around the throne assembled together and sang. Verse 7, let us rejoice and exalt, listen to this, and give Him the what? The glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Verse 9 is where we're going to be this morning. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You have been invited. It's an invitation that you must RSVP to. It's an invitation that must be dealt with. 
It's not like your text that you get from me that you pay no attention to. Matter of fact, I'm a little fearful that we may be living in a society that we've got to, to the place that we think we don't have to pay any attention to God's Word. Responding to this invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb is imperative, and you've got to do it now, and you better not delay. That's what we've been looking at in chapter 24 and chapter 25 of Matthew. So the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then John, he's pretty good at this. <laughs> when the angel comes and does something magnificent, he has a hard time not worshiping the angel. He says, then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to him, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Here's, here's the true words. Worship God. Don't worship your family. Don't worship the world. Don't worship this creation. Don't worship all this stuff that we've got. Worship God and God alone. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I pray, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you'd bless the reading of the Word and the preaching of the Word and do with it what you see fit to do this morning. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So we're taking just a little break from Matthew. Uh, next week you have a treat, Vincent Troxel uh, and Emily and Leah and the baby. Huh? Can't remember. They'll be with us next Sunday. So uh, Pablo's real excited. Uh, he probably won't get any sleep uh, as he tries to figure out how to translate uh, Vincent at uh, about 1.5 compared to me, if not 2. That's next Sunday. Now, this is a marriage supper that has been hinted to throughout Scripture. What I just read to, Scripture has spoken and hinted to this all throughout. In Matthew 24, chapter 2, we looked at it not long ago. At the wedding feast when the king invited all these guests and nobody came and nobody responded. and You know that scenario. We looked at it in chapter 25 uh, when we had the, the parable of the ten virgins. We looked at it then. It's referred to in 2 Corinthians 11. And surely it's referred to in Ephesians 5, and we're looking at that in the godly home class, that, that the, the, the relationship that Christ has with his church, the bride, is also the kind of relationship that a man has with his wife. And it's a mystery that we're trying to figure out as we go through this life. So this is a marriage feast that has been uh, alluded to by Scripture. So in the Scripture that we're looking at, John had seen a great multitude, a great multitude. That's encouraging, amen? We, that's a multitude that we want to be counted a part of. Now, being with the majority is not always a good thing to do, but we, we want to be in the company of a great multitude, representing every nation, okay? Now, if that's the case, do we have all nations covered yet with the gospel message? That's another, another message. Look, standing before God's throne in heaven and extolling His salvation. Do you know that when we worship Him, that's what we're extolling? We're extolling His salvation and thanking Him for His Son, Jesus Christ. 
Revelation 7, 9, and you have all these. If it's not Revelation 19, you have them all. Revelation 7, 9 is one of my favorite scriptures. I learned it a long time ago. And, and this is a little bit of a modern translation. I looked again. I saw a huge crowd. Everyone was there. All nations and tribes, all peoples and languages. That's what it's going to look like in heaven. All nations and tribes. Won't be any language barriers there. We'll be speaking a heavenly language that we all understand. You Latinos think it will be Spanish. What would we all think? It'll be English, but it'll be a heavenly language that we all understand. Amen? And, and I think some Latinos come in here, they're, they're praying that God would just give them the gift. I've gone on missions trips and prayed for that gift in uh, Swahili and, 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 and uh, uh, what's the, in Quechua, Indians in Ecuador hadn't got it yet. But I'll get it in heaven, amen? I'm still looking forward that time. Now look, I, a number too large to count. Guess what? That number, too large to count, have one thing in common. They've all been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Every one of them has. Or they won't, won't be there. That's a requirement, to have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Revelation seven fourteen said, I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed the robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. That's the way everybody's sins paid for. That's the way everyone is forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. It's also God pouring His just vengeance on the prostitute who has murdered the saints. Listen, all the evil's going on. And, and look, they're getting away with it. I just heard this yesterday from, if you don't know the name, Daryl Harrison. You ought to know the name. He works for Grace to You, John MacArthur's church in California. Uh, he and his buddy Virgil uh, Walker, they have a podcast, Just Thinking. And it is, a, it is a, the number one Christian podcast in America. It is, it is fabulous. So I was listening to uh, a podcast with him. Listen, in California, unless what you steal is worth more than $900, you will not be charged with a crime. And either it's about to be and has already passed that if you start, if you stop that crime, you'll be charged. Did y'all hear me? As long as it's not nine over $900. So, if I had a business in California, I'd be liquidating and shutting the doors. Now, y'all look at me like, and you look at it, you guys are not watching real news. I promise you, that is not reported on major news outlets. In California, I believe that's one of the states. Okay, here, let's get back to my notes. One day, all of God's vengeance is going to be poured out on the ungodly for eternity. Now, how do I know that? We're going to read here. 
The smoke's going up forever. You can just get along with ungodliness so long. There's a day of judgment coming. Hallelujah. How many times did we read it in this passage? It's the only place in the New Testament that the word's found. It's found in the Psalms quite a bit. Only place in the New Testament. We'll get to that in a second. Listen to verse 1. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud of, a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, What? Hallelujah! Listen, we Baptists need to get over this little bit of a, a lack of being exuberant in our praise. Hallelujah! How can you say that word and not say, Hallelujah! You can't say hallelujah. Salvation and power and glory belong to who? Our God. Not a God, our God. 19.3, once more they cried out. Y'all, when I get to that word, would y'all read it with me? Once more they cried out, hallelujah. Now here's the good part. The smoke from her goes up, what? Forever and ever. What's burning? The, the godless world, that Babylon, that the prostitute represent everything, all of this ungodliness that's being promoted, it's being burned up forever, along with those who promoted the ungodliness. How about 19.4? You know, y'all remember, follow along until you get to the Word. And the 24 elders and the four leaving creatures fell down and worshiped God, who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, I think it would be okay when you say hallelujah in the church. I think it'd be okay to shout. Yeah. Hallelujah. You know what the Hebrew phrase means? Praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. You can find it over and over in Psalms 113 through 118. How about Revelation 19, 6? Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude. That word encourages me. Hey, y'all ought to, we ought to look at ourselves and when we hear that word multitude, we ought to have some hope. Amen? Multitude. Was that word, there's a, there's a song we sing. Was it in the uh, Come and Dine about the multitude? A little, a little song that we've sang. I'm sorry? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll, I'm going to tell you, Bob, I so appreciate Bob doing those two songs. And I appreciate my wife being discerning. And in our discussion this week of the marriage supper of the Lamb, she, she said, you gotta, you got you to gotta hear this song that we know. you got to hear it. So... That's where that came from. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude. Verse 6, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out. What? Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Uh, I, I wasn't there uh, the time of the flood at, uh, at Albert Pike. I was there. I had been there before, and I, a few hours later I was there. And then... Uh, Oh, four or five years ago when City Hall, Linda, Linda texted me this week when it started raining, when it came a little sprinkle up at Albert, or Shady Lake and said, uh, are Lewis and Laura, are, are they on high ground? 
I said, well, I'll tell you how high the ground is at Shady Lake. When the city hall got flooded four or five years ago, y'all remember that, Dollar General? It rained 19.3 inches up there, and it didn't flood us. But y'all know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been around a river on a tear, it's just a roar. This is the way it's going to be around the throne. Power, majesty around the throne of God. Now look, listen to this. Open up your ears, sit up, rouse yourself up, listen to what I'm about to say. God's judgment will expose every lie and will right every wrong. The great prostitute is condemned for twin crimes. Listen what they are. She corrupted the earth in promoting sensuality, promoting pleasure, sexual immorality, greed, murder, you name it, ungodliness. She promoted that. And she shed the blood of God's servants. That was the two sins. Idolatry, worshiping of other things, the promoting of sensuality, the murdering of God's saints. Now listen to this. I think since this scripture has been written, we've also added the blood of the unborn. Evil just continues to pile evil upon evil. So who is this prostitute? This, the city appears as a woman, a prostitute. The city is also, and this is what you need to get, the city is a representative of a secular world without God. Just godly, godlessness. That's what we're talking about. And that's where we're at. That's where Babylon was. That's what Babylon represents. The great prostitute, the woman, and Babylon, that great city, are synonymous. Both depicting the empire of the beast, the empire of the Antichrist, the empire, and the world of the devil. This world, the prince of this world, it looks like he's in charge. I'm telling you, he is having his way in this world. But I'm telling you, it won't always be that way. A secular world without God Almighty. Listen, a secular world without God Almighty will have gods and more and more self is being elevated to be that God. I don't need another God. I'm my own God. Humanism. So what's she about? What's the world about? Wow. Thought of three words. Power, luxury, and greed. And man, tell me how easy it is to just swallow all that up. Just drink it in. All the lust of a godless society for sensual pleasure... Rejection of all restraints. And let me tell you, church, where that started. Antinomianism. No law. 
that crept into the church. We were given the Ten Commandments as a people for a reason. To restrain us. Now, why do we need godly homes? Because we have produced generation after generation that the children are leaving home and they don't even know the Ten Commandments. No restraint. I believe in there that $900 figure out in California. You won't be prosecuted if it's $900 or less. I believe that would be contrary to the commandment, thou shall not steal. Don't tell me there are any restraints. I'm my own boss. Just get out of the way and I'll do things like I want to do. And ignorance, even in the church. I mean, how many of you would I embarrass this morning if I ran you up here to give me the Ten Commandments in order? The world has become drunk on the blood of the saints and now again, like I said, the blood of the unborn. It will be a culture that completely defies God. I tell you, one of the old guys said, when this is no longer a part of this democracy called the United States, it will not survive. And in 1962, 63, we just stood by, said goodbye to that. It will be a relentless pursuit of wealth, a ruthless exercise. Now listen to this. A political and coercive power. If y'all haven't figured it out yet, I'll tell you what COVID was all about. Controlling you. There's another one coming. So what are we celebrating in verses 1 through 5? Hey, right, come on now. Now I know you're going to have to take a deep breath. This may be difficult. But this world that we've come to love, no more. Destroyed. A new heaven and earth where there is God and there are restraints that we'll gladly adhere to. Amen? So, now listen to this. It, it surely, I know where God is. I know where He's been. I know where His Son's at. But I also know the Scripture that talks about the prince of this world. But listen to me. There is a time coming quickly that God will come back to bring it all to an end and He will set up His absolute rule. Absolute. Over everything. Uh, let's go to the Scripture. 
verse 1. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. I would go faster this morning, but uh, I'm just trying to get Pablo ready for next week. I don't really want him to quit, so I've got to go slow enough for him to redo these scriptures in Spanish because it takes about twice as many words in Spanish as it does in English, okay? Revelation eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven. You hear that? Do you hear that, men? Why is it that when we're over there by ourselves in a men meeting, why is it that I can hear you guys' voice? Why is it I can hear your voice over there, and I can't hear it over here? You men, if you're going to be godly leaders in the home, godly leaders in the church, you've got to get brave enough to open your mouth. Look at this. Those loud voices were saying, the kingdom of the world has become the what? Kingdom of who? Of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. I'm telling you, if you're not a part of that rule, you're in bad trouble. Number two, for his judgments are true and just. Did you hear that? I'm telling you, you ain't skating by. Either the blood of the Lamb is covering your sins, or you've got a day of reckoning. Every, hey listen, he is true and he is just. Every sin will have either been paid for or paid for. For he has judged the great prostitute. The, the world, godless world that we know today. Who Look what they did. Corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Deuteronomy 32, 43. Rejoice with him, O heavens. Bow down to him, all gods. For he avenges the blood of his children and takes vengeance on his what? Adversaries. He repays those who hate him. And now, listen, how about a flip side of this? Y'all ready for an amen? If you'd wake up, you can give me this amen. And on the flip side of that, he will reward those who love him and serve him. Because he's what? He's just. There was a great multitude representing every nation. Here it is again. I looked again. I saw a huge crowd. Everyone was there. All nations and tribes, all peoples and languages. Everybody was there. That countless choir, all those redeemed by the Lamb, praising God also for His just vengeance on the prostitute, prostitute, prostitute who murdered the saints. I don't know how that's going to work. I know vengeance not mine, but when it's the Lord, surely I can celebrate it. Verse 3, once more they cried out, what? Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. You know, like that uh, worm in hell that never dies and the fire that never goes out, the burning of this worldly government that we're coming to, this godless government that we're all being pressured and controlled and pressed into, one church, 
uh, one, one government, one economy. You know that, that place that we're all pressed into? That godlessness is going to burn forever. The stench in Gihana will go on forever for us to observe. We look over there and say, we'll look over there and we'll say, God is just. He is just. Isaiah 34, 10. Night and day it shall not be quenched, that fire. Its smoke shall go up forever. From generation to generation it shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. Revelation 14, 11. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And they have no rest, day or night. These worshipers of the beast in its image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Eternal bliss, eternal heaven, eternal torment for those. Babylon smoke goes up forever and ever. Now this speaks to a couple of things. For one, it speaks to the irreversible judgment that will bring upon them torment for eternity. There's no reversing of that. The heavenly praise of God, hallelujah, for this judgment that can be understood only in the light of the... Listen, why is it this way? Why, why is the smoke forever? Listen, let me tell you why. It was, it was such horrible, such pervasive evil that it... The, the evil was so great, the great prostitute was so ungodly that it must be forever destroyed. We're living in an evil time. I, I, look out, I, I look out and see, and, you know, I, I know we live in Howard County, but listen, not everybody lives in Howard County, Arkansas. Listen, used to in America, pretty much throughout the America, you could expect your third grader to learn reading, writing, and arithmetic. Well, let me tell you what a great majority of teachers go to school every day to do to promote this godless, evil, sexual agenda to ruin a nation and a people. That's happening every day. Just, just Google it. Look at these queers. Look at these people. On there. They've got videos of them teaching in classes, teaching this perversion, that sexual perversion is normal. That's going to burn forever. It also speaks of the infinite worthiness of God. God is worthy. He is holy. He is just. And those who have repeatedly blasphemed Him will be punished forever. Now listen, if you're a Christian here today, this, this ought to just make you sing hallelujah, praise the Lord. This is just a rehearsal for what's going to happen up there. It's going to be this way. I mean, I think we ought to practice a little of this here. This, this praise. So let me tell you what. Just a little bit of praise we had this morning. The church will be in a continual mode of praise for eternity. So if you don't like singing, you don't like standing around the throne saying, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Heaven's not your place. Continual praise. 
as the wrath of God will forever be poured out on evil and godlessness, so will the praise of the saints be poured out forever for what he's done. Number, verse 4. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen. Hallelujah. Revelation 4, 4 says, Around the throne were 24 elders. 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. The worship offered by the elders and the living creatures is an agreement that what is happening in heaven is certain and it is true and it's just and it's done. Verse 5, And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you His servants who fear Him, small and great. Small and great are there to worship Him. Revelation eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has come. I'm sorry. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. And He shall reign forever and ever. He will be in total control of everything. It's not that way now. It will be that way but not now. Now, just as... Now, listen to me. This ought to ring a bell. Just as the great and the powerful now follow the beast and the small follow the beast, so there are great and small of God, great, not of any... uh, prestige or anything like that, small, not strong, are singing hallelujah to the Lord. It, it is the will of God that all His holy ones, aren't, aren't, you glad, aren't we glad that He incorporates into His church both the great and the small? I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no governors here. There, there's no powerful people here. We're, we're the small. We're, but we'll be included in that group. Both the small and the great. And and this really speaks to me. Those those elitists, those powerful, listen, they're not going to escape through. Their power, their prestige, their money, this this having going on in this world is not going to do them any good there. It's the will of God that all His holy ones, aren't y'all glad? Both great and small should praise Him. Verse 6, we're to the marriage supper of the Lamb now. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our, the Lord, the Lord our God, the Almighty, does what? Reigns. Total reign. No competition. Competition won't be put up with. No competition. He reigns. Psalm 134.1 Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Revelation 11.18 Ooh, this is good. The nations raged, but your wrath, what? Came. And the time for the dead to be judged and for the rewarding of your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, you hear that? You hear, are you included in those? 
Listen, listen to the last part, this, this last little section, verse 1118e, and for the what? Destroying the destroyers of the earth. Revelation 20, 12, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Y'all understand what that's saying? God knows where we're at. He knows who we are. He knows all that we're doing. He knows how much we love Him. He knows what we think about His Word. We think, he, he knows what we think about pray, praying and what we think about His church. Do you understand? There it is. There's my life recorded for examination. Much of it needs covered by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Wow. Again, a voice of a great multitude as the roar of water and the mighty peals of thunder. Uh, what, What could that... I've been thinking about that word, peals of thunder. Is it just that... That rumbling that just continues on and on. You know, we have some of those occasionally. It just seems like thunders forever. Well, that's the way it's going to be in heaven, just continual roar of water and peals of thunder. And it comes from, listen, let me tell you who it comes from. This praise comes from a great worshiping multitude in heaven. In heaven, praising God for eternity. Look. Are you excited all about being there? Listen, listen, at least this. No more, no more illness. No more aches and pains. But better than that, no more evil. All good. Well, now listen. God Almighty, regardless of what we see, has reigned and is reigning throughout history. But, on this day, He is establishing His reign. He will not tolerate a a rival or any resistance at all. Did you hear that? There will be no rival. No resistance will be tolerated. Verse 7. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the what? For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. And I'll just, I'll just, I'll just tell you, these are two difficult verses. And uh, I've, I've thought to myself all week, these are two difficult verses. Because, let me read that again. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. But what have we done in making ourselves ready? Well, let me tell you. The only thing we've done is confessed our sinfulness and confessed Jesus Christ as our Lord, Savior, and Redeemer. That's, one, that's the only thing we've really done. Now, I'll get back to that when we get to verse 8. Matthew 22, 2. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Listen, are, are you all with me this morning? There's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. 
And we have all been extended an invitation to that. Young people, you have been extended an invitation to that. What I'm asking you, what have you done with that invitation? Is, is, this, is this a king? And is this a wedding feast? And is this a place that you would want to go and stay forever? And I'm not sure an option we'd like to have is, yeah, after I get through enjoying all the things of this world. I believe the scripture teaches us to forsake the world, to turn from it. Matthew 25, 10, and while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in to him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. You young people, look at me. Young people, if you're below the age of 18, please look at me. The door right now is wide open for you to become a repenter believer and enter into the kingdom of God. That door will not always be open. You enter it through repentance and belief and trust in God Almighty. Ephesians 5.32, this mystery is profound. I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Revelation 21.2, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. With the prostitute destroyed, did you hear me? With the world system destroyed, the Lamb's pure bride is announced. Arrayed in purity. Listen, Nothing can come in the presence of Almighty God that's not absolutely pure. Well, I'm going to need a little help getting there. Her gown of righteous deeds. Listen, now let me, this is, uh, this is good. I'm not sure where I picked it up, but it's too good to be mine, okay? Her gown of righteous deeds is her groom's gift of grace. It's God's gifting of righteousness upon those who are His. It's a gift of God. An absolute gift of God. Isaiah 61.10 I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God. Look what it says. For He has clothed me with garments of salvation. Somebody say hallelujah. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Wow. What has he adorned you with? And, and it's not a uh, it's not a blanket. It's not a blanket that would allow you in this life to go ahead living like you want to live, thinking there's going to be covered there. Let me tell you what goes with righteousness. Let me tell you what goes with justification. Tell me that other word. Sanctification. Verse 8. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen. Uh, Think about a wedding dress. 
I mean, how can these things cost, and these probably are not expensive ones, just the latest one I heard about, $2,000. That better be some fine linen. Okay? He clothed herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. That's another difficult phrase there. Righteous deeds of the saints. Psalm 45, 13. All glorious is the princess in her chamber with robes interwoven with gold. That's us. That's not my own. I got it from somebody else. Ezekiel 16, 10. I clothed you also with embroidered cloth and shod you with fine leather. leather. I wrapped you in fine linen and covered you with silk. The lamb's wife is both Jew and Greek, both slave and free. She will be arrayed in fine linen. You've never seen such a bride. Because he's presenting us to who? The Father, God Almighty, here's here's your church. I want you to see her. She will be arrayed in fine linen. It will be clean and white. She will be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Reckoned or given or put on to her for her righteousness. It's imputed righteousness. It will also be a righteousness at that time that goes deep. No more sin. No core corruption. So Romans 1, 16 and 17 and 3, 21 through 25 speaks of this. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes. There's one way that you enter into the kingdom of God, that you've accepted the invitation, the right invitation, to the Jew first and also the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Chapter 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. That's where we get that righteousness. All saints will be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. It's imputed, it's put on. And it's also a going, ongoing sanctification in this world, but not when he returns. Verse 9, And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage of the Lamb, supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Do you know how blessed you are? That by God's providence and by the working of your family and the working of circumstances, God has, has put you... Here today, he's put you in the church where the invitation to become a follower of Jesus is preached in every sermon. The invitation to the wedding feast is offered over and over and over again. Just like those in the one uh, parable uh, of, of the wedding feast when the king sent out the, the invitations and no one would accept it. Uh, uh, to the next one about the wise and the... Uh, the foolish virgins, uh, 
the invitation to this wedding feast is continually uh, given to you to enter into the kingdom of God here and now. Matthew 22, 2, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Revelation 22, 6, and he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits and the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what soon must take place. It's going to happen. This, this invitation here, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You're being invited. Every time you're invited to enter into the kingdom of God, you're invited to that marriage supper of the Lamb. That's how you get ready for it. You enter into his, king, his kingdom here. Blessed are those which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Those invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb are believers who belong to His beloved bride, the church. Did you hear that? Those that belong to Christ. Giving their life to Christ, trusted in Christ, following Christ. Listen, everything about believers should end, end with or start with the word Christ. Those who take the church and its assembly, important and serious, who are a part, a part of His kingdom here in the local church, who have been called through the gospel of grace, Isaiah 25, 6-8, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make all peoples a feast of rich food. I love that song, Come and Dine. You know, it's, it's laid out there for you. Come and dine, partake of it. Listen to this. A feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marl. You know what that is? That's fat. That's that white stuff in beef that makes it really tasty. Really has some savor to it. Of aged wine, well-refined, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that's cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all the nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord will wipe away tears from all the faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. You hear what's going to happen? For the Lord has spoken. Verse 10. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Revelation 22.8. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And where did I heard them... And saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. Acts 10, 20, Peter said, lifted him up saying, Stand up, I too am a man of God. Don't worship me. He was telling the man that wanted to worship him for the miracle. Revelation 22, 9, But he said to me, You must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this, proof, the, uh, the words of this book, worship God only. I knew I wasn't going to have a whole lot of time to spend on this, so just let me say a couple of things about it. John is reprimanded twice. You must not do that. We're not to worship man. We're not to worship angels. He says, we are to worship God alone. Now, when John said this, you know what he was doing? We've been talking about this in Sunday school. When, when he said, uh, worship God alone, in dramatic confirmation, he is confirming the deity of Christ, that Christ is God come in the flesh. That's what he's doing right there in that verse. So Matthew Poole says there's a threefold marriage of the Lamb. Are y'all ready for this? I'm, I'm, I'm finishing. The marriage, threefold marriage of the Lamb. To particular souls, 
This invitation has been extended to particular souls when by faith they're united to Christ. Have you become united to Christ through repentance and faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? You must do that. It's not an option. Number two, to His church completed. When the last saint that's brought in, including Jews, when they're called again, when, when His church here is completed, He is going to come for the marriage supper of the Lamb. You have to be a part of that. You have to be a part of His church. And number three, when all His elect shall be made one with Him in glory. Are you with me? So individually, we become a part of Christ. As a church, we become a part of Christ. And then there's going to be that great day at the general resurrection when we'll all be united and truly wed with Him in paradise. All this is just leading up and preparing us to be ready for that. So I want to close with an invitation. Revelation 19, 9. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So, if you've never known or understood that you've received an invitation to be his bride, you surely are getting that invitation now. Just like those people continued to get the invitation to the marriage feast for the king's son. Remember that? They ignored it, didn't pay any attention to it. You are being extended to an invitation to that marriage supper. You're being extended that invitation right now. For you who have heard the invitation, listen, numerous times outwardly, but have never heard it here. Y'all look at me, young people. It's never touched your heart. It's never deeply sank into your mind. I'm being invited to be a part of the kingdom of God. That's what, you've, that's what you're invited to, to, and that's who you'll become, a part of the kingdom of God. You got that? Okay. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, for he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I've helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You know, sometimes you get those RSVPs, and it says RSVP by... 10, 8, 23. Adults, young people, we must respond. We must get off the fence. We must decide it's the world for the time being or eternity forever with God Almighty. 10, 8, 23. You must look at the law of God and see that you've trampled it. Wow. Just, just read the Ten Commandments every day. See if they don't still reveal to you and I that we're sinners. You know why he gave us the Ten Commandments? To help us stay on track, but also to remind us every day we're a sinner in need of a Savior. 
You must see that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. You must see, confess. Listen, listen. Do you hear these words? See, confess, embrace, and take hold of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Take hold of Him. Not ever to turn loose of Him. It doesn't matter what you've got to give up to do that. Take hold of Jesus. Today, 10, 8, 23. You must repent and believe. Admit you're a sinner. Mark 1, 14 and 15. After Jesus was arrested, Jesus, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Remember, bad news, good news. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. The good news, Christ is my Savior. He came and lived a perfect life, died and paid the penalty for my sins through His blood. That's the gospel. And saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Quit living for yourself. Live for God. Stop sinning. Stop trampling on the blood of Jesus by your continued sin. <clears throat> you must have experienced the change of direction. You must have become, do you hear this now? A follower of Christ. Don't take a chance. <clears throat> You must with your mind, heart, and lips confess Christ as the only Savior. Privately, you've got to confess it. Through believers' baptism, you've got to confess it to the people. I am a follower of Jesus. You've got to confess Him as Savior, as one that has done the work for you and I to be saved. And lastly, I beg you to trust Christ and not miss that last wedding supper that will continue as a feast and celebration forever and ever and ever. May God bless you.